0: Hello, my friends. I hope you are safe and sound with the West burning from Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, all the way to the coast. We're still dealing with social unrest and addressing Black Lives Matters issues. Plus, we're in a world pandemic. And wow, it's hard to believe that 9-11 was 19 years ago today. So much has changed my life, but the memories of that day that month those months to follow are just burned in my soul we all have our stories of where we were and those are very important and hold on to them and keep telling them and my story is this i was working in new york i lived on long island at the time i worked at a tv news station i wasn't working that day actually i was in bed when the first plane hit i got a call from my ex-wife saying a commuter plane ran into the tower so I was like, what? Ran into one of the World Trade Centers. So I turned on the TV just in time to see that second uh, plane run into the tower. And that didn't feel right, didn't look right, and it certainly wasn't a commuter plane. It wasn't a little tiny plane. There were big jets that were doing this. Something was up, something was a mix, and it was scary. So all the news stations started scrambling. My news station called me and just said, be on alert. And then I just spent all day long watching... Uh, New York City just scramble and and try to help people and all the rescue workers and police and fire department and just trying to to just save some people, to save some stuff and not knowing what was going on, if we were under attack or not. We were. We were. They used our jets against us. And uh, it was scary. And I was 50 miles from the city, by the way, 50 miles from New York City. And... I was just losing my mind. So I talked to a couple of my friends, like, let's go do something, uh, something different. We didn't realize just the magnitude of this. We tried to go to a movie. They're all closed. We uh, ended up going to Burger King to grab some food. And I'm standing in the Burger King parking lot, and I look up, and a couple fighter jets fly right over the top of us. That, that truly, truly freaked me out at that moment. I didn't know it was next. I didn't know it was gonna explode next. It it was just very scary at that moment. Then, over the next few months, I went to work. I worked at a news station, a 24-hour news station. Uh, I interviewed some, I didn't interview some people. I was part of interviews, I was a cameraman, a videographer that is, Uh, and we talked to so many people. I did so many stories. One of them was this guy, he was on the higher floors, of the trade center and he got out through the fire escape and got down and luckily a fireman showed him the way and he finally got out onto the street. I mean, I'm kind of condensing the story. He's telling this straight faced, and I'm just like totally in shock. He's telling the story and, and he got on the street and another fireman grabbed him before the building fell on him. And the next, he just said he got on a train home to Long Island, went home and showered. His wife's calling frantically. Everybody's looking for everyone. And, once he talked to his wife, he, like, passed out, broke down. And he developed PSD, actually, and he, and he couldn't tell this story with any sort of emotion. If he did, it would drive up his journal and make him pass out. And so it was so weird to hear that story, and I can't remember his name, but he was telling it so straight-faced as I was trying to keep it together on the other side of the camera. Uh, I remember uh, covering Giuliani in, in Manhattan, and we'd go to his governor's office or wherever he did all that mansion, did all the press conferences stuff. And that was downtown and our editing facilities were uptown and driving in the middle of Manhattan, which was not my thing from a while, for a Wyoming kid. It was hard. It was tough. And I had a reporter with me that, let's just say, didn't have patience for anything I did that day. And uh, probably this 9-11 thing probably drove me out of the industry and don't get me started. And how the government dropped the ball on all the protocols that were ignored. They dropped the ball on all these protocols, they were ignored. Uh, You can look it up, it's public record, see it. It's not some sort of conspiracy nonsense like QAnon. You can look this up. We avoided a lot of, we didn't follow through on a lot of protocols that you would normally do if two planes, a couple more than two planes, were taken over in the sky and how they scrambled jets and how they uh, took care of the situation. Uh, it could have been handled a whole lot more intensely than it was by letting these planes crash into the trade centers. But I'm over that, uh, but I will never stop thinking about 9-11. Uh, it was a surreal scenario, and and coming to visit Wyoming a few, not even a month later, it was like October 1st, I came back to Wyoming for a football game, and that gave me scope on this isn't just a new york thing it was a whole united states thing and people were reacting and setting up security protocols all around the united states even here in wyoming they did they moved some stuff around the armory and it was just interesting to see the rest of the united states responding to an attack that was on the united states but it felt like it was an attack on new york all right let's get into the show marcus madrid He's the guest on the show, and it was so fun catching up with him and hearing about his life as a purebred Laramie kid. You don't find many of those these days. A little disclaimer, Marcus and I are pro wrestling fans, and we dive deep into the industry in this interview. Enjoy. Mm
1: I was actually born and raised right here in Laramie, Wyoming.
2: So, born in ivanson Hospital.
1: Yes, born at ivanson Memorial Hospital, just like both of my parents.
2: Wow. Okay. And both yeah.
1: of my siblings.
2: Holy cow! Okay. So you're like that's one generation. You got your parents. Were, did they meet here in Laramie too? Uh,
1: yes, they did. Uh, they um, they didn't go to the same high school. My mom went to actual uh, prep at the university. Okay. And my father went to Laramie High, but yeah, they both grew up here in Laramie.
2: So how did their parents get to Laramie? Is that even another generation of Laramieites? Okay,
1: so the on my mother's side, um, her, her father, my grandpa Norman, I believe his parents came over from Nebraska, um, the Johnstons. What was that? Kansas, sorry. <laughs> My sister's right here giving me a little uh, confirmation. But yeah, they came from Kansas, and then uh, her mother uh, is a full-blood Choctaw. And she was from uh, the area, I believe. Do you remember what reservation kind of originally? But I know her parents owned some land around the Torrington area, and then they passed away, and then she went to an orphanage. And then, you know, came into a family and then grew up in the Centennial Laramie area. Okay. And then, you know, she met grandfather and then that's my mom's side. My father's side, uh, the Madrid family name comes from a group that, I don't know, Juarez, Southern New Mexico, Arizona area migrated up, you know, but back then that generation it Uh would have kind of still been Mexico all of it (laughs) wow wow yeah you know and then you know and then that's where that side the madrid name comes from and then my grandmother on my father's side was born and raised in kyoto japan
2: okay okay so kind of all over for me (laughs) definitely that's good that's good it's good to have culture i'm just different (laughs) shades of white like <laughs> my family, I mean, it's, hey, it's cool as long as you know the shades. It's still great
1: yeah. history.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm all my Norwegian history. They're definitely. I'm second generation. I think both my grandparents are first, and okay. I thought uh, maybe I'm third. But um, it was, and they went to Norway, and uh, not way, Norway, Norway to North Dakota, which I was like, oh, it's so ugly there. Sorry, North Dakota, but it is
1: but it kind of well, makes totally, sense you know Norway and yeah. North Dakota like all right climate's yeah. similar you can acclimate all right i think it was cheap
2: <laughs> land too so yeah totally a lot of scandinavian norwegians took into went to the north of the united states and i was like we have so much more in the united states why'd you have to settle up there but
1: like I no guess, we got I'd... here we're good <laughs> yeah we're good
2: it's all right and so that's where like yeah most of my family comes from and then irish and english and none of it I can't trace it back to like Mayflower or anything like that, which is okay. It's usually, I was like post-World War II, I think, is most of them. I mean, World War I and before that. So it's very new history.
1: And it's kind of hard sometimes. Once you get back a couple of generations, things just get a little murky. And it's like, ah, records get shady. And you get a story from an aunt and a different story from a different uncle.
2: and my great grandfather came over once, lived a life, went back to Norway, came back again. And that kind of started my branch of the family. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he snuck That's back. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it was very interesting in that fact. I was like, oh man, couldn't you just stay? Like, but, <laughs> and and people didn't live very long back then. So like, it was, he had a couple of wives, couple kids that didn't make it. It's, just because the harshness of it all just living
1: Mm -hmm. yeah like you said life expectancy wasn't
2: as long (laughs) so are you you got siblings you like you said yeah i got one in the room are you the oldest youngest middle how's it work out i'm the middle kid uh
1: right here i got my older sister she's hanging out right now and then i have a
2: little sister too
1: um i believe you're familiar with her you know macy well i don't know if you've met my older sister morgan Uh, She's almost a year and a half older than me, Uh, but she's lived in and out of Laramie here and there, so I don't know if you've met her before, but yeah, I'm the middle kid, the only boy in the family.
2: We're very much alike because I am both those things. (laughs) I am the middle child. Well, my parents are divorced, so I'm the middle child on one side and then the youngest on the other, but I'm the only boy in the whole thing. So, every once in a while, I get told I'm a favorite because, you know what, I don't think like my mom. That's why I get that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I had uh, one of our younger cousins once, way back in the day, uh, she actually asked our grandma on our mother's side one time, who's your favorite grandkid? And, yeah, she kind of bluntly said, Marcus. (laughs) I think it was more of a shut up, kid. (laughs) You know, you guys are annoying us, you know, I'll put you in your place, but... Yeah, I got told that too, and I think a lot of it was just I was the one boy.
2: You're just different than the rest. Yeah, we get our own our own stuff, but yeah. it's so much different, especially having female siblings. Yeah, we're like, we don't quite <laughs> show the range of emotions. They do. Um, we don't express them very well either, but yeah, being the only boy, but I was always like, they're like, you get it with way so much. And I go, yeah, you mow the lawn, you shovel snow, you do what I do and you might get a break <laughs> and curfew. Like that might yeah. be the thing. I don't know, like honestly, growing up,
1: Morgan had to do just as much as oh, me, yeah. or me, like that kind of thing. Like, I mean, parents were pretty even on things like that. Like, no, you're both here, you both go do chores. <laughs> I have a six yeah, year exactly. difference. Just get out of our hair for a minute. <laughs> go do these chores, then you can go play.
2: <laughs> I have a six-year difference with my older sibling. She's and she was so she plays the trail for me, like laid the groundwork, was another parent kind of too. But oh totally, like she was more of a princess, a queen, a cheerleader, <laughs> and i was not that i was very different and because yeah. i was a middle child and that's what you kind of being is the the older sibling and yours is in the room sets the standard you want to be different and yeah, totally. and you get i get i got tired of being rochelle's little brother and i wanted to be justin she was the original rude by the way
1: <laughs> uh, those oh.
2: yeah we had the same coach <laughs> she had him in basketball uh, uh track and I am in football, and this is growing up in Oregon. And he called her Rude, and I came along to play football, and he was like, oh, you're Rude's little brother. So I was a little brother again, and I was just and like, okay. And after a
1: little bit, they just dropped the little brother.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I moved here to Laramie and picked up again. I never said, hey, call me Rude. Flash Rude shorting that down to Rude just makes sense. And yeah. so about my junior year took shape and started becoming the name again and i never said hey that was my nickname in oregon i was like yep that'll that'll do i understand yeah, and like, so, yeah i
1: like it man it's, it's a good nickname
2: <laughs> yeah they be like are you rude and i'm like oh not really
1: but, it's
2: part but of yeah it. <laughs> but yeah i've only been called out like once like i was really rude and it was in an email they said it but it was interesting because <laughs> my email is j rude and so they were like yeah. you're rude and i'm like well yeah but I really. yeah but can you elaborate <laughs> <laughs> was i actually
1: rude because if i was i'm kind of i'm sorry i yeah. apologize I didn't mean to be
2: <laughs> yeah that was kind of almost how i felt i was like i didn't mean to be rude but thanks for pointing out that in my email <laughs> part of my name so yeah. growing up in laramie wow i can't imagine because i moved here and i was 13 so do we're kind of activities into skateboarding biking school oh.
1: Okay, so I didn't completely grow up in Laramie oh. my entire... Um, when I was six years old, we moved to Hannah, Wyoming. Okay. So for grade school era, like uh, first through sixth grade, I lived up in Hannah, Wyoming. I don't know if you're familiar with that town. It's right outside of uh, Elk Mountain. <laughs> off the high 80, yeah.
0: I see the
2: signs. I might have been through it a time or two, but yeah. yeah you wouldn't remember. Yeah. It's,
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a tiny little town. Um, uh, When I lived there at the peak, there was three coal mines running and I think maybe a thousand people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh So when I moved back to Laramie in seventh grade, there were more people attending junior high (laughs) than in the town of Hannah. (laughs) So, I mean, while, you know, moving to Laramie isn't necessarily a huge city, jumping from where I did live as a kid back to Laramie it was just kind of like whoa there's a lot of people here
2: <laughs> it, it always is shocking to hear people say that about Laramie because I never lived any place smaller I lived yeah. a suburb of Portland I lived in New York so Laramie's not it and I couldn't do any smaller um but so people are like yeah when I went to college in Laramie it was just like the big city and I'm like oh, easy there All <laughs>
1: right. But yeah, here in Wyoming, it is, you know, we got the university, concerts come here sometimes, Uh,
2: there's football games, it's the city. I'm surprised we don't have a mall. That's like, I know it'd be dead by now, but I'm surprised. Yeah,
1: I agree. Like back in the day, I'm surprised Laramie never got a mall.
2: Yeah, Walmart was about the closest thing. (laughs) Go to Walmart and watch people. Still, still holds true to the day if you really yeah don't. go grab some
1: balls and like throw them in the ball hoop or
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> look at posters ah oh, grown up yeah thumbing through tapes and albums oh uh, yeah the Back day in,
1: go go through the tapes for hours
2: yeah like going through all of them it was tough moving here from Oregon I was just rap music was just becoming a fang beastie boys running and mm-hmm. see we hitting the suburbs and i was in i was all in on it and getting here laramie was not all, all in, in it. on it it was <laughs> sad to be like do you guys got this and they'd be like uh what or like that's the edited version i'm like worthless mm-hmm. worthless crap records? Did you come oh, yeah.
1: Here oh, yeah. yeah they were still cool enough to where yo they may not have it but they would order it for you and yep. I
2: love them for that. We got more I got more in with ground zero. Okay. Eventually. My mom became good friends with Yon the or there, or still is friends with the ladies, don't it? And yeah. and actually Tamara, she lives down in Belize now, still friends on Facebook. Cool. Uh, but I remember there and like uh, CDs, my like the first CD I ever got, my mom bought me a CD player and was like, I got you a bunch of CDs, but they're on order. But here's CNC Music Factory, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> all right." Well, not kind of the rap I'm into. I know she was trying to steer me one way. I but, heard but,
1: this was rap. This is yeah. what you guys like, right, kids? <laughs> yeah,
2: that was it. And then she's like, "You can go get whatever you want." Oh, I, and you can pick up The Doors' Best of, which was cool. But the first CD I, I ever bought straight up was NWA, 100 Miles from Running. Uh, yeah, she hated it. Like, probably hates it to the day still. Because she'd be like, I'd be doing laundry, and you'd be listening to The Doors, and that was great. And the next thing I know, it was NWA. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's probably <laughs> some choice words you weren't too thrilled. She's like, yeah. Luckily, I don't understand most of it. Do you remember your first CD? Uh,
1: First CD? I don't know about first CD, but I do first know my first cassette tape. There you go. Um, The one I got to pick back in the day, yo, Columbia Music. Oh, yes. It was white snake <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> but yeah I remember you know like as a kid and you know parents got the whole we can get 40 C- tapes right now each kid gets to pick one or two and that was I picked white snake for some reason
2: mine I, was, was. I remember the first tape I bought with my own money because we had albums was still kind of a big thing I never saw eight tracks when I was growing up we had albums. I don't remember buying much of them, but we had different ones. Um but the first tape I bought was Prince 1999 because it was a double tape. I don't know, I was like I get more for my money. It was same price as a regular yeah. tape, but it's two of them. And so, yeah, I was like frugal. I mean, it was good tape. It was Prince 1999 it was
1: badass. But I will remember the first cassette I owned, yo, was a, ca- yeah. a gift. I had Weird Al's first debut album. Nice. And it's just kind of weird because that's uh, yeah, that definitely has shaped my world. <laughs> it's like that was a definite influence. If that was my first tape,
2: I I vaguely remember one of my first albums, Popeye the Sailor. Robin Williams as Popeye. <laughs> nice, I love that movie. Yeah, and it had the, all the songs. That's and nice. then Flash Gordon. Ellie Long. She yeah. was uh, Olive Oil. Olive Oil. Flash Gordon soundtrack Queen. We have that oh. Sure. Yeah. Oh. Like, I'm a Star Wars fan. Huge Star Wars fan. I can't believe I liked Flash Gordon. Because it's just, it's cheese compared to, I mean, I love Flash Gordon. Compared to Star Wars, the, the special effects. Yes, no, but I mean, Music, Flash,
1: yeah. Flash is just an in-depth study of Han Solo. Sure. I mean, I it's like not. a precursor. Not exactly, but, you know, like the arrogant hero he's just the tough guy and he's yeah. just gonna be cool through it all and just it's gonna work out
2: <laughs> but I, yeah those soundtracks would definitely shaped my musical life as a kid i think my sister was into them a lot my older sister and the older siblings are like here i like this music and you're like yeah me too
1: yeah so, totally. you
2: know so growing up like what were you else were you into like activity wise play sports and all that
1: um, I, I tried a lot of sports when I was real young
2: and Good. just
1: every time I tried one, I was like, you know what, not for me. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I'd rather read a book. I, you know, I don't know. You know, I tried everything, you know, at least, once. you know, cause I figured you got to at least try, Tried soccer. Yeah. Tried T-ball. That's how long ago it was when I did the baseball thing. <laughs> right. tried basketball, tried football, you know, tried them all, did a season and it was just like, eh, not for me. Um, I was always more into just, um, I I was a book nerd.
2: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Yeah, you know, like, um, I remember as a kid, I I think it was second grade, I had a teacher that had this rule that if you got done with all your work before everybody else, she set up an area in the back of the classroom where you could go and quietly read. And I, oh, wow. that was the greatest motivation in the world for me. I would bring a backpack full of comic books and mad magazines and I would work hard, be a great student and get done before everybody just so I could go back and read Alfred E. Newman and Spy versus Spy. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm reading ridiculous stuff. You suckers are learning.
2: <laughs> Maybe you inspired other people to yeah. quickly get their work done so they could show up and read some mad magazine right there. That's, no, nobody ever joined me. No. <laughs> I liked reading magazines. Good stuff. I, I played sports. Uh, I think it was only because, well, my parents were like, well, sweet relief for a couple hours. You go get to practice and you got to do actual events and stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, it was a reasonable Adam. T ball, I, I didn't even try that. I didn't try baseball. I think I tried playing with my friends and I sucked and I was like, nope, done. Never again.
1: Yeah. Um, actually, I remember in t-ball, um, two games in a row, somebody hit the ball and I got hit right in the jump, line drive. Oh, and, you know, it's like, I'm seven years old. Worst pain in the world. And it's like, yeah, th- I hate this
2: sport. That's not <laughs> this good. Is the
1: worst thing in the world. Why do we do this? Why yeah. is this a thing?
2: <laughs> I couldn't figure out, c- contact but, Like, I coordination i hand coordination but i was really good at soccer as a kid and was fine with that so i was like screw that stupid sport i'll play soccer yeah. for a while and then later on played softball in life and was like oh if i would have gave it some time i probably would have liked baseball but oh well
1: be exactly yeah, out I had
2: those, yeah.
1: first early bad experiences like nah, screw that damn no
2: never again wrestling i should have known better my you know first bad experience in wrestling but i tried another year Ugh. Uh, see, wrestling's Man.
1: another thing because they don't understand the wrestling I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, I, <hear>
2: you. I <laughs> yeah, understand. I, like, I mean, do.
1: we not have a high school like sports entertainment wrestling? Where's that turnbuckle? At that. I would have been all state. I would have like quadruple level. <laughs> <laughs> I could have oh. scholarshiped on that.
2: Oh <laughs> like, Where's the turnbuckle?
1: Yeah, like, I don't even like. Yeah, there's no ring.
2: Where's Me? my entrance music? Where's my entrance? <laughs> we, we, I remember in one year wrestling in seventh grade. I remember this drill specifically because you got it was tag team wrestling, and you literally could tag out, but the <laughs> circle was too small. It was a smaller inside circle, nothing. Yeah. And all, you could be be in mixed hand and reach out your arm and get tagged out. And I was like, it's <laughs> not right. You should be yeah. able to drop elbows right about now. Yeah like come on like distract
1: the ref my guy can come in for like at least three seconds (laughs) yes
2: so yeah sports like i always ask questions and then i get all excited when people tell me they've read stuff because i was like man there's a good portion of my life i wish i would have read more then bashed my head into things for a little while because like later in life you things start popping and cracking and I sound like a popcorn machine and I'm like I enjoyed every second of the sports I played but I totally did not use my brain like I should have at the time because I, like, I enjoy reading now and I'm, I enjoy learning but at the time when I was growing up it was just bare minimum to play sports so I could just bash things I guess so when I hear the stories of reading yeah
1: I understand the other way, too, because, you know, looking back at my childhood, just like you know, even though I sucked and I was uncoordinated and, you know, I had a tough time at those sports, I maybe should have toughed it out and done two seasons of that. Maybe I would have
2: gotten a little better. And, you know,
1: so it goes both ways.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I guess everybody has those past regrets, but yeah, about not playing or do playing or whatever – Always, yeah. lot of are like the oh, guys were like, "Man, I wish you would have stuck with football." And I'm like, "But you didn't." And we're still all alive. We're doing all. Yeah, right. exactly. I yeah. mean, and I at the like, same
1: time, you had other great experiences.
2: Yeah, I was like, "You played another sport, and football's not for everyone, and that's fine." And it's like college; calls not for everyone, and that's fine. And you go, don't prom isn't for everyone. Don't yeah. do that if you There's don't. There's all go,
1: kinds of things um, like that that are titular moments in people's lives, but. Not
2: everybody hits
1: those milestones.
2: Yeah. Updates. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like. I think about. I hit my prom dates or listening. I think about prom and they were fun, but if I didn't go, I'd still be a cool dude. Adjusted today. Oh yeah. Not thinking about prom or anything like that, but it's fun. I, kind at the time, but it seemed, the whole thing kind of seemed outdated at the time. I can't imagine what they think now, but <laughs> so. You're growing up in Laramie. What was like your first job here?
1: Uh first job, uh well early, early on in like seventh or eighth grade, I used to work for the Casper Star Tribune going door to door selling subscriptions. Ah. And then kind of immediately after that, in the summertime, I would work out at the Laramie Trap Club. Oh. Uh, you know, like sitting in the little hut, putting clay pigeons on the thing, or pressing the button when they say pull. You know, it was uh, a little I knew kid job. Anybody worked my, there?
2: What was that? I said I never knew anybody worked that job. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know,
1: I mean, and it's a real easy, simple job. So, yo, know, it is a great first job for a kid. And yeah. then, but my oh, first, yeah. like, real, real job, I worked uh, athletic concessions. I started there oh, when I was yeah. about 15. And worked there for like 10 years.
2: <laughs> Whoa. Did you do all sports?
1: Uh, yeah. Or um, I, yeah, I worked even in the summertime where we would prepare things, you know, like do maintenance, painting things. And then we do the fire in the sky event. Oh, wow. Um, do we days. Because you, you remember back then they'd actually do it at the stadium okay. and, you know, they'd bring in like a country act and it'd be a lot bigger than what it is now. But yeah, it was great as a kid. It was the perfect first job because it was chill. You got to take breaks during your job and go watch the game for 20 minutes at a time. And you got to nice. meet players and coaches. It was cool.
2: Nice. Now, I, I did it. I think I worked concessions for like clubs. Every once in a while, they do the fundraisers through concessions. So I did it. That. What club? I think I was, one was definitely... I think D. Malay, not a long time ago.
1: Um, up on the upper deck, across from the student side? Maybe,
2: it's so long ago, probably. Just-
1: and was there a kid with a super long ponytail that would come around and ask if you want to change? Because that would have been me.
2: That's probably you. But no, uh, I mean, that, I mean, I'm- um, I also remember, D-,
1: no, D. Malay used to do the chairs. Okay. Didn't you guys, you, you would sell the chairs at the,
2: at the ramps. It was, that's probably a lot. I mean, I'm going back to when I first moved to Miami. So. <laughs> a long time ago. Um, yeah. Like I worked with all kinds but of, but I groups. was probably, it was just I'm funny. Cause I was a bit there. older than you. So I, You probably weren't there when I was there yet. No, because I was, it was funny
1: because I was a 15-year-old kid in charge of all of these stands where, you know, they had like the ROTC group. uh, I mean, I was
2: probably younger than you when I was doing that at the time. So, Ah. (laughs) not quite yet. I swear I'd done another one. Uh, I remember being in concessions a few times in my life working and probably, yes, then. You came in. I was probably doing it for another <laughs> uh, fundraiser as an adult. But I remember being back there, always running out of hot chocolate and um, <laughs> cold hot weather and, I can't, and hot dogs. The, the moving of hot dogs was yeah. quite a, an interesting mm, thing. Oh,
1: here's another cooler full. Transfer yeah. these 40. <laughs>
2: yeah. Wrap days. Uh, so you're working concessions. Getting to meet people and reading a lot. Would you do continue? Were you just a good student all the way through, like high school and all that? Oh uh,
1: yeah, through high school. I mean, yeah, high school was kind of just a breeze. Really, I did drama in high school. Uh, that was really cool. Uh, my sophomore year, we got to go to Scotland for the Fringe Festival and perform there. That wow. was really cool. Uh, that was kind of the reason I got involved with drama because they had an overseas trip and it was just like, yeah, Uh, I can do that. (laughs) And yeah, that was really awesome. So I did that throughout all
2: of high school. I got into plays that we all did, you know, first through sixth grade. And then after that it became my collectives and I still, I I had like a drama class, seventh grade in Oregon, eighth grade, pulled the non-athlete move. We did not go out for basketball. Went out for the school play. I was in the Velveteen Rabbit. I was a doctor. Nice. I was barely on stage at all. But this first time I got, like, the full makeup and everything, that was pretty cool. Made me like an old guy, and I got to say, like, three nice. lines. Was,
1: yeah. It's then,
2: fun. yeah um, did I don't know if I'd had, in ninth grade, had any drama classes. Maybe. No, I don't, I don't know. But I always did. I liked them, but I never went all out because athletics was first. Yeah. So, like, I would been in the drama club but it met on wednesdays when i had football practice and i was like that's not going to happen but i remember in 10th grade we did a, we had a drama class we wrote you might have done the same thing too because we went to the same high school wrote a uh play a screen no not a play a movie and everybody wrote certain characters you wrote a character and character development and you fit him in and this is a murder mystery that's what it was
1: okay i wish
2: we still had the videotape somewhere it'd be terrible but it'd be fun to watch um just to see how uh, you wrote out the character i was a total like hip-hop guy it was funny and it was great and so and then i went to college and did some drama classes too and those were the those were like the like really really good people i was like oh my god i couldn't be in the play with you guys you know yeah like, hanging with high school is just
1: a class i'm not really auditioning
2: yeah you guys are <laughs> awesome like and so but it was always fun yeah and i've always like kicked around the idea i was like man i wish there was a big strong community theater in laramie i would definitely look into it
1: yeah um i know that there's uh been a lot of people up in centennial that have been right. doing things for years it's just it's centennial it's a small community so there's yeah. just not a whole lot of people to get involved in
2: it, but yeah, I've heard they've yeah. done a lot of good things. Yeah. What place did you act in? Did you stuff like that? Do you um, recall? Okay.
1: So when we went to Scotland, you know, I was, I was the newbie. You know, I was the squash. More. So I got, okay. you know, once again, limited lines. I was a photographer in a play about a wedding uh. And over here. All right. Move over here. You know, <laughs> Kind of thing. Um, after that, you know, we did, uh, we had the Reader's Theater plays that we did every year for State Drama. You know, the ones where you move the big blocks. It's kind of.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, and then we did a musical one time, Crazy for You. I was just kind of a background guy. I can't sing. <laughs> in fact, back in junior high, before I did drama, I, w- I was in choir class. But a lot of times I was the narrator designated
2: that guy
1: it's like it? you yeah, have a good smile and a lot of good energy but uh
2: yeah <laughs> and well with all that reading you did you probably didn't stumble over your lines very well because you're yeah. very well read so that translates <laughs> into your vocabulary yeah, exactly so like, i could read a card good <laughs> yeah so i mean a lot of kids can stand up there and read i mean stumbling over that I mean, not maybe not the perfect. Oh word yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: it was something that definitely not everybody could do. Just kind of the public speaking thing, just standing yeah. up by yourself.
2: America. But yeah. <laughs> well, at least you knew that you couldn't sing. Like, there's a lot of yeah. people out there. I, I mean, I go, I sing really well by myself.
1: Oh yeah, it's like I sing
2: great as long as no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hear you. I still are singing in the shower. That's
1: oh yeah, that's I love singing. House. I just yeah. don't think anyone needs to hear it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to make a living off it. I mean I do cha- I do stuff with my voice, like this podcast, my radio shows. Oh, so yeah. I know my voice is good enough, but it's not good <laughs> enough to sing lyrics anytime soon. I'm all right with that. I prefer to display my talents other ways. I'll voice over a commercial for you. I'll yeah, read yeah. in public like you do. That was <laughs> that's easy. Yeah, I- exactly. I'll read a thing, I'll do a voice. Yeah. And I I think mine started with I was president of DECA in high school. Um, I joined the club cuz they came to the high the junior high and it was all girls and they were pretty good looking and I was like this is a club I want to be a part of. Yeah.
1: I'll do that.
2: Yeah. What is and this? So I joined up and I was like oh marketing and advertising. Eh. I wasn't that good at the competitions but by the time I was a senior I became the president of the club and I had to speak in meetings and I do a lot of stuff and from there on out people like you didn't care anymore you, you could talk to anybody you could talk and public. i was like yeah and i don't have any trick where i'm like oh, they're on their underwear or anything like that i'm like uh hopefully they're paying attention <laughs> that's all yeah that, that's pretty much it just smile and hope they're listening <laughs> so what's i mean did you continue like post high school with any sort of acting and things
1: um, not really. Uh, that first year out of high school, you know, I went to college for about two years. Yeah. I never finished, but you know, it was just, I didn't. Uh, but I did some drama classes. I did uh, independent study. We did a documentary film about Chicano history in Laramie with uh, Dewey Gallegos. Okay. And uh, that was really cool. You know, I mean, it was, it was low production. It was just a student film, but it was so much fun. We did a lot of research. We talked about La Llorona yeah uh-huh. uh, yeah it was it was a lot of fun but i mean after that i really didn't do much
2: yeah well i it i stayed i did broadcasting in college which i thought i was going to go to marketing deck and all that stuff and yeah. learned all the behind the scenes stuff and i didn't pay attention c- enough growing up because that's all my stepdad did he kind of yeah. guided me in there without really me figuring out like that was kind of his way of going, this is what you should do. And I got I was good at it. The production stuff's great, it's fun. Um, I, I've been beaten down by management now where I am a manager, so I don't get to do as much video stuff anymore. Yeah. And So every once in a while I, I get to test my skills, but uh, then I became like an in front of the camera person. And I did interviews, because I know what they expected behind the cameras. And I was like, yes, I can do this. Yeah. And so, but yet, I would love to work on a movie or documentary and always think about ideas and stuff like that. It'd be cool. So you're a person I should definitely talk to you about.
1: Yeah, I'd love to, to work, work, work on something like that. That'd be fun.
2: Yeah. Cause yes, you can speak in public too. And yeah. <laughs> but you're doing the research and you did that kind of stuff. So you kind of have an idea of what it would take cause you actually worked on a little bit of a movie. Yeah. Uh, so graduated high school. Did you want to go to college? Did you want to go to the, did you go to the University of Wyoming
1: uh, yeah I went to the university uh, I was an education major just because oh, yes. I happened to get a scholarship right out of high school oh. that that was part of the requirement
2: uh-huh. uh, it
1: wasn't necessarily something I had a passion for oh. but I had, got a scholarship so you know I was like yeah I'll take it and I'll run with it for a minute and I tried and it just wasn't for me yeah um, I don't know it's just
0: I don't know. I just didn't
1: have the patience to explain things over and over and over to somebody, you know, I don't know. It just wasn't a thing for me.
2: I I really thought I was going to be a teacher for a little while there. Well, c- Cause I love coaching. Um, yeah. A lot of people said you'd be a great teacher, but my dad is, was a, re- is a retired teacher. And I, mean, I wasn't a t- teacher at the time. Talked me out of it. Totally talked me out of it. <laughs> he used for college at least half of it was like, I don't know about that one. And I was like, wow, because my stepmom's a teacher. My stepdad is in education. Like, you were taught at the college level. Uh, my mom worked at the university. So education was in my family, aunts and uncles, all that. And I, lo- I loved coaching. I worked at summer camps. I thought it would have been a good path, but broadcasting has led me into IT work. So however that worked out, it's not yeah. necessarily, you know, I can understand <laughs> being a teacher. Is some dedication to take
1: beyond
2: beyond just getting that degree.
1: Yeah, it's not just learning your material and presenting information. Like, it's being a lot more involved with personal lives. And I don't think that's something I took in consideration when I initially was like, yeah, I'll be a teacher. I can go ahead and stand up and tell kids what's what. Like, no, it's more than that. And I think that's when I realized, you know, I was like, you know, I just don't think I have that kind of dedication that I could give to every individual student. So I just kind of backed out of college. Um, I went into cooking. Oh. Uh, I cooked for like 15 years. I've worked in every aspect of hospitality and food service throughout my life. Uh, yeah, I've worked um, up and down the Rocky Mountains, uh, Winter Park, Denver, Yellowstone, so I've got plenty of that kind of experience, and that's kind of where I went after I stopped going to college.
2: I was disappointed when I got to college that I wasn't more prepared by high school for college. Yeah. I didn't know how to take notes very well. Like, there should have been a whole class about taking notes. Oh.
1: Yeah. Like, your entire senior year should more have just been that kind of, let's get you ready for your next stage, not yeah. just... Here's
2: another history class. Or regurgitate tests. Okay, yeah. we're gonna test you every three months to see what you've learned, all right? But I can tell you what I've learned in three months because the curriculum you just laid out for me in that math class is what I've, all uh, right. Standardized testing was this stupid dude after a while. It still is, <laughs> it, still is. it still is, it still is. But yeah. yes, I need to learn how to take notes, how to manage my time, how to you know manage money. That would've been, you know, Kind of yeah, thing. like, mm-hmm. yeah, if,
1: yeah, just simple, like, let's really explain to kids what taxes are. Yeah. And what it means when you claim this or this
2: credit cards. They sucker yeah. you in college. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that would have been a good lesson to be taught in yeah. high
1: school.
2: Yeah, I want a free t shirt. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll sign
2: my name on this. What can I do with this card? Oh, music, food. I oh, I got to pay it all back? Son of a. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, that was the downfall of a lot of college kids. including my, I did not do well with that aspect of my life. I, oh, yeah. I think like we sometimes. all stumbled around that a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you exploring the cooking field, when was the first time you were like, "All right, I'm leaving Laramie for a job somewhere else"?
1: Um, well, let's see here. Uh, I worked at the library. Okay, let's see here. After concessions. I worked at the Overland for a while downtown, back when they were still open. And that's when, then after that, I moved up to the library. And I worked there for a good while and then it was when they opened their restaurant down in Winter Park. I first actually moved for a job. Uh, before that, right out of high school, I decided I'd move to Denver. Then I, you know, I was 18 years old, couple buddies, let's get an apartment. Yeah, let's just go and find a job and figure it out and yeah of course we all stumbled and it was a bad idea <laughs> you live you learn but uh yeah like the first that. time i moved for a job was yeah when the library opened that restaurant down in winter park i went down and helped them open that up i kind of remember that they still have a restaurant down there Uh, No, they, I think they had it for about three years. I was only down there for that first summer to, you know, just really help set up the kitchen, get it rolling. And then I came back here to Laramie. And then about a little bit after that, I moved up to Yellowstone and did a season in the park there. Um, Lived in Jackson for a while, about a year. Um, Yeah, living in the park was really cool. Uh, There was these employee dinners that we got to do and it was awesome because we pull out this giant grill and i would have to grill like about 300 steaks wow yeah it it was the great greatest day of work you'd ever have just standing there for four hours at a grill flipping (laughs) rib eyes
2: (laughs) i remember you being there and you're like talking about the music scene and you're like (laughs) it's cool, and then you walk into another bar, and it's another bluegrass band. Like, it's all bluegrass bands, and I was like, yeah, I guess if you like bluegrass, but wow. after a while, you don't. And so, it kind of made me laugh. It was very popular at the time. It seemed like there were lots of yeah. bluegrass going on. It was. There was a huge
1: bluegrass boomer for a while there. Like That was the thing, it seemed like.
2: It must be easier, because they don't pack around drums. I mean. I,
1: that makes that,
2: sense. That makes I mean sense. you got your
1: mandolin, you got your fiddle, and you got a banjo.
2: Yeah, maybe a bass <laughs> in your, there. That's
1: a carry-on.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can do but you can do bluegrass carry-on. Like you wouldn't have yeah. to bring any other equipment. <laughs> Unless you like you make it difficult when you add the bass and the drums.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's just extra stuff.
2: <laughs> and so like I I like bluegrass to a point. And oh yeah. I, I want some bass and drums. I don't mind the ones that have bass in them. Um, but like people, I'm a everybody knows I'm a huge jam band fan, and they're like, "Why don't you like bluegrass as much?" And I'm like, "To a point, man, and then we gotta kick it in the butt. We gotta get <laughs> drums in there." Yeah, totally. Well, it's one of those. Uh, everyone assumes if
1: you like jam bands,
2: you like all, all jam bands
1: Yeah, it's like no, they're Us jam band guys got our little tweaks and our little you know preferences. I'm, you know, like, I'm not. I'm not a huge fish fan. I hear you. I, I, I love the Grateful you. Dead. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of.
2: <laughs> fish, I do like. I, I'm not, I'm probably not as hardcore to fish as I was in the beginning. Everybody's got those first intro bands yeah. that kind of get you and my friends in New York like, we listen to a whole buttload of fish. And I'd always be like the rap head going, is this the same song? Is this like <laughs> two of the same song? And like, oh, no, they changed that about five minutes ago. And I was like, oh, yeah. So they played an hour and 45. Can the same tell. song, yeah. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, and I've been to a couple of shows and everything. I, I respectfully, they're pretty good and everything. But yeah, I, I hate them, but yeah. they're not my band. <laughs> yeah. And so and then they like were in it, broke up, got back together and I was moving and they weren't out West at all. So there are a bunch of bands out here. There were Better, I thought, and more access to you could see on you could go tour with. Fish was like, "We're gonna play three dates a year and charge a thousand dollars a ticket." I'm like, "I'm not in Hartford and in New York and Boston." Yep. (laughs) Yeah, and I wasn't into that, and so I kind of developed a little more asthma, asthma, and animosity towards them. Um, they got the shit together. They sound really good right now. I haven't been at Fish Show in a long time. Download a bunch of music. I have friends that are still Fish fan. Sound great. Um, Trey's sober, so they sound really good. My um, band, <laughs> of course, you know. His yeah. Is Widespread Panic. Um, I don't know if they're sober, but. It's I cool
1: don't know, them. but they still are always awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I'm so upset. Like, I missed out on. The Grateful Dead, when I when they were the like together, when Jerry was alive, yeah, I probably could uh, have. Thought, when
1: I was in junior high, it was actually um, the daughter of the guy that owned Top Notch. They had tickets to go see the Dead at McNichols Arena, and they were going to give me a ticket because it was on my birthday, and my mom said no because I would. Looking back, I understand. I was in eighth grade. It was a Wednesday. <laughs> hey, Mom, could I go with this record store owner to go see the Grateful Dead in another state? Uh, no. I get it now. But, yo, know, at the time, oh, I can't believe you, Mom. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my one time. And then, actually, he passed away the next year. You know, so, yeah, that was just the one. It's like, never got to see Jerry.
2: Uh- I, had, I swear I had friends growing up, their parents must have played Grateful Dead music in the background because the first time I saw Phil Lesh and Friends play, I went, this music has been played in my past.
1: Like, I know Dude, this.
2: I know this more than I should because I just didn't sit down and listen to the Grateful Dead at the time. And I listened to the band bands and all that. It just, Dead wasn't des- definitely in the mix as much besides the, the ones we all know. But I was like, this is, this is stuff I know without, I don't know how I know it. And I see you along to Cassidy. Yeah. (laughs) I I know this. And so I'm like, my friend, and then I look, ask my friends about it. And they're like, oh yeah, my parents were deadheads. And like, there's pictures of us at Grateful Dead concerts around our house. And (laughs) I was like, oh yeah. My mom would just play it and clean the house. And I was like, ah, there it is. All (laughs) right. Cool. So question uh, for you. How do you feel about John Mayer? Um, at first... Have you was, heard him with uh, The Dead? Yes, I have. I've heard Dead and Company. And at first, when they were getting together, Mayer wasn't singing. And I was like, this is a good idea. He's a sick guitar player. He is yeah, awesome. He is. But his lyrics are cheesy as the hell. And so I was like, maybe if they don't let him sing. That, that'd be cool. That'd be a nice, interesting dead mix and let everybody else do it but now he sings and he has his songs and I don't I, it's fine um I will I prefer my dad delivered in other ways like further and because <laughs> I got some friends that they're just like no dude mayor's so good
1: he's amazing man he's one of the greatest things that's happened to the band in years blah, blah, blah. it's like he's solid and I love that he's a fan. And I love that he appreciates it, and he's trying his best. It's like you said, not my favorite bed.
2: <laughs> no, but I like I've seen him his him in concert twice because I went for the openers. By the way, mm-hmm. um, I think opener <laughs> one was Counting Crows. I was a huge nice. fan of theirs, and it, they did a great show. And then he oh, did yeah. his stuff. The second time I saw him there, it's Michael Franti Spearhead opened up for him. He's a huge fan of theirs. Yeah, they're, but no he he ended the show like a Jimi hendrix type move like just shreds it and then lays the guitar down i was like on side stage going burn it light it on fire just screaming nobody you know it <laughs> was harry me but i was like yeah like it would have been the perfect time and just walk yeah, away totally. walk away no more your body is a <laughs> wonderland or anything like that just walk <laughs> away like and so when i heard he was gonna do that, i was like "Yeah, oh, it'll be great if he doesn't sing like Derek Trucks doesn't sing and he shreds yeah, guitar
1: and he's amazing.
2: Jimmy Heron doesn't sing and he shreds guitar. I know <laughs> we all know that Merrick can sing, but he can do that on the side. Yeah, he the can sing his sing. songs over there. Yeah. And so, but I was like, let the dead sing. And I've yet to see them, uh, Dead and company. I don't know. My friends have gone and they're like, no, don't. You'll like, you liked further. You like Phil your friends, they think. Joe Russo is almost dead. J. Rad is probably the best. Yeah,
1: that's that's what everybody tells me too. It's like, no, go see J. rat J. rat J. Rad. Jay Rad. Rad.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, I will once we can go back to concerts. Oh. Uh, so, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. I don't
1: care. I'll go see John Mayer tomorrow in a basement if they'll. <laughs> <open.
2: laughs> i a mask on. I'll yeah, for now. Um, like bang. Yeah, that's the kind of mask I have. It's got filters bang. on it. Kicks ass. Help. Away. <laughs> Help is on the way. <sighs> I was talking to uh, Ray Carlisle, a teenage wild Rocket. Yeah. And they did a safe concert uh, down in Denver when he's like, nice. the audience is 40 feet away. Uh, they're only there for an hour. Everybody's got their little spots. He's like, it felt weird, kind of, but I was glad we got to play. But it was goes, great to be out there. Yeah. And he's like, I hope we don't get yelled at or anything like that, or, you know, because we did this. And I was like, I like this idea. It, maybe only staying for an hour is probably a good thing. Not like yeah. let people get all wasted drunk or anything like that. Yeah. And 40 feet away, it sucks, but that's what it's got to be and everything. Pods, fine. It's like, there's. There's ways to work with this. As long as people can, you know, keep it in the lines. Exactly. We could have them, but. um, I
1: caught a little bit of the
2: uh, game tonight before we started the interview. And
1: it was just weird seeing sporadic groups of people in a full NFL stadium. But I like that they were allowing some people in.
2: I know I can't do it. I have diabetes, and it's just too much of a risk. Um, Oh, yeah. So I'm not hanging out in football stadiums anytime soon. Well, we could have done it because we just don't have enough fans. <laughs> and it would be yeah. no fun. And that, the mask would keep your face warm. So,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, but well, I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, you know, appropriate people, if you feel comfortable. I mean, I like that they're allowing
1: an option for X amount, keeping them spaced out because you're a fan of pro wrestling. I yes. know you saw those first few weeks when all this hit and it was just empty. And it was just the weirdest, eeriest thing watching these events that normally have thousands of people just silent. And it's just creepy and weird. And I don't think I would like watching a football game without some people in the stands.
2: So Yeah, something like whatever, even if it's just the people that make this like the employees yeah. of the stadium, I'll oh, just come yeah. hang out, whatever. Family. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Family That's- of the players.
2: With wrestling, like WWE, no fans. AEW, they had the wrestlers, the other wrestlers yeah. around the ring. That, I was like, that's a good idea. And mm-hmm. now what WWE's doing, I called it and I was like, they, what exactly what Thunderdome. I was like, this is something that could be done because I work in the video conferencing world. And I was yeah. like, once I saw the NBA kind of pull it off, I was like, this is, this is what's going to happen. And if you'll pay to have a seat And this is the angle you're looking at of the stadium or the court, you know, on your computer. It's for you. And you get to sit there and your face shows up. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's um, a cheaper way
1: for people to get the front row seat that they would never be able to get another way.
2: So you will see my face on WWE soon enough. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. We all got to coordinate it sometime. (laughs) Figure it out. Wear like t
1: shirts with different letters on them so they spell
2: something. (laughs) Like my my buddy was like, You gotta wear something that has WWE on it. That's the way you get in the front row, because the guys in the front row had had like raw or
1: something on their shirt. Dress up like Macho Man.
2: Yeah. um, There are people that do. Like your sister would dress up for Macho. Like she just has a macho. Sister dresses up like
1: like. Macho Man just on like a wednesday
2: yes yes yeah of course like, i got the day off time to put on the mustache <laughs> Brother. yeah dig it i sported at night but not last night Green rises to the t- but i i one thing about macho i love macho man he's a great wrestler growing up with him and everything it seems like people get like not the true wrestling fan or like they immortalize macho more than Something he that's definitely gets immortalized as much because because they recognize the voice and the slam gym stuff. Yeah, I'm like I was like because there's years of Macho Man. I was like, God, I'm down with this guy. Like he I'm wasn't for Macho. Is. Yeah, and so His
1: entire WCW run.
2: But <laughs> the, the second Macho Madness thing where you had the slick hair and he was with yeah. had all the women. That was a weird version of Macho Man.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't. The Macho Man.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so, but looking back, and you see all those classic interviews, and and the, he was great on the mic, and I can play that stuff and listen to it all the time, and it's fun. But I was like, I remember when it happened, and there are parts of Macho's career I'm like, pfft. yeah, there are other wrestlers I immortalized more than him as a wrestling fan. Sure.
1: Um, weird thing for me growing up in Hannah.
2: Um, um, I was not actually
1: a WWF fan really at all. Okay. Um, oddly, just where Hannah was, we got the USA Network, but we didn't, the feed that we got, it didn't broadcast WWF at a good time. Oh. So I couldn't watch it. You know, it was either What's way too late at night or it was Sundays when football was on and dad's watching football. So I can't, you know, they're not watching wrestling when dad's. Yeah. Done. And so I was a WCW, NWA kind of guy the whole time. So I was always kind of, those guys are cartoonish. These guys are real wrestlers. They use their names. You know, it's Barry Window. Yes. (laughs) You got Earthquake. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was kind of like a little snob as a kid. Like, this is real. You know, I know it's all kayfabe,
2: but this is real. (laughs) 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 Well... I moved when I moved to Wyoming. We had TBS, and I don't think I yeah. had that in Oregon. In Oregon, I originally became a fan of wrestling from Portland wrestling, regional wrestling, nice. and I didn't really know it was Saturday nights. So I didn't really know WWE existed. Probably for a good two years of Portland wrestling, or any of that existed, and then they're like WWE's coming to town. I'm like, oh, what is this? And they kind of was like, oh, wow, this is bigger than that. Yeah garage wrestling <laughs> yeah and so when I moved to Wyoming TBS was on and that's where NWA WCW was really picking up and so the first class of champions Sting versus Ric Flair I was yeah. in that, I mean I, I totally was like I don't know about WWE anymore or WBF at the time anymore because this is better and it doesn't seem as cartoonish and yeah. were, and that was when even when cartoonish stuff worked i mean, but i was like this is even though they do documentaries on nwa back then it was oh hot man <laughs> character and i was like but it seemed more real than any like yeah exactly that's what i was saying. it's more real yeah you know, i was like
1: it's just a dude fighting for the championship and sting <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's one face-to-face. guy with face paint that's crazy but uh, they had the four horsemen They had the not the Dragon Steamboat
1: was my ultimate hero. Yeah, that match with him and Flair, I remember as a kid, like watching the clock. Like it's it's eight o'clock. Why is it still on? (laughs) They're they're letting them go over the limit. I was like freaking out as like a little kid, just like it's still going, and it was like a forty minute match or something. I got to stay up late.
2: i was Sting. I was Sting fan. From that moment on as he's over this shoulder here, you can kind of see. It's yeah. <laughs> a collector's sting, he stays in the box. <laughs> and so I was yeah, I was a sting fan from I even had got my, my hair cut like his and even had stupid little for a second. Yeah, that <laughs> I, I I first time I like reached back and grabbed it, I was like, No, this has to go.
1: I think all of us that grew up in the eighties, early nineties, at yeah. some point you had a rat toe and well, then
2: you're like this is a bad idea <laughs> yeah i was like i do this for a wrestler like this is weird i gotta this gotta go
1: i'm like what somebody touching me
2: <laughs> of my friends had the mullets which i never got into um the longest my hair besides that little rat takes right i just grew it shaggy for a little bit sixth grade when i was all into like molly crew and uh rat and that kind of metal music and fingers <laughs> ball stuff and then I started playing sports and it was short hair from there. Now every once in a while, I would toy with longer hair, but yeah, I remember cutting my hair like the stinger for a long time. Uh, and then I was like, I know I might have had long hair when he was growing his out, um, but I looked more like Johnny Grunge than of, of the enemy. I was a dead ringer. I was a dead ringer. Home. I was about 300 pounds, close to 300 pounds, and had like the right facial hair, the right so, my buddy, and I, my buddy and I were public enemy one Halloween where I was Johnny. We carried a table around, but never put anybody through it. And so. Good. <laughs> what a good wrestling talk. Name your top five. Who you're personally are your top five.
1: Ooh. All time or current?
2: All time. Not
1: current. All time. Okay. Uh, Got to go with Steamboat. Steamboat's yeah. just, he's the guy. And then Sting, he was, he's. He's the hero as the kid. Uh, yeah. Then after that, man, it's hard because you got your classic guys. I mean, Bruiser Brody. That guy was. If he was alive today, he would be the biggest star in the world. He would be the one guy that they would book to like decimate Lesnar and stuff. I feel.
2: Well, uh, yeah, he's uh,
1: Ming. gotta throw ming in there
2: wow that's
0: me
1: that guy the tongan death grip that was like the ultimate move as a kid i thought like he got that on your throat you're just done so that's
2: or me goes back to like wild samoans i thought yeah tongan kid Uh, no, he wasn't actually part of
1: the Wild Samoans because Samoan. the Wild Samoans were... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Afa yeah, and Sika, that's more of the uh, family line of... Usos and Roman reigns. Those yeah. and those. Where, yeah, there are uh, Samoan, whereas Ming is Tongan. Tongan. Okay. His son is uh, Tamatonga. Okay. You know, from a uh, bullet club over in New Japan. Okay, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah and know.
1: Uh, and his, his brother tags with him. Uh, what are they called? The Gorillas of Destiny.
2: <laughs> I don't watch enough New Japan. All right, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait four. I miss, did I miss your foot? Okay,
1: number four, uh, number five. Who would be number? F- I gotta go with Cody. Rhodes? Yeah. Wow. I, honestly, what he's been doing and the way he portrayed Stardust, and you could tell in his eyes how much he hated doing it, but he just went all out. Oh, he's he's right. like, "Yeah, this is what we're doing. Then this is what we're doing. I'm yeah. going to be the best horrible character ever." There you, <laughs> <get> it, <Starna. laughs> you know, and then he goes to New Japan. He does the Bullet Club. He starts AEW. You know, I mean, he's got the lineage. Uh, one of the great things. Pro wrestling has been one of those that's been embedded in me since I was a kid. Like my mom used to tell me stories as a young, young kid. Like I feel a lot of parents would have brought their kids up on stories of the Yankees or their favorite football team or something. My mom would tell me stories of when she was a kid, would go down to Denver and see like Wahoo McDaniels versus Black Jack Mulligan oh, wow. and Harley Race and Lou Thayez and You know, like those old, old school guys. So even before I started watching it, my mom was always like, Yeah, this was the fun (laughs) stuff. It's dumb as hell, Marcus. It's all fake. But get into it. It is so much fun. And, you know, and I think that was the best thing was knowing that it was a show from day one. You know, never getting that moment as a kid, like, What? It's planned. It's staged. I, I never, think, you know, it never was a heartbreaking moment. It's like, yeah, of course. You can't hit a dude 19 times in the face with a chair.
2: Yeah. I, I think I had to go and watch it to go, okay. This yeah. is well worked out. Like I figured I was a kid. I was like, all right. They're... And then, yeah, I was like, well, if they actually did that, they would kill him. And yeah. then we couldn't watch <laughs> that guy wrestle anymore. So that'd be bad.
0: So yeah. I understand
2: that. And then, it, but then, yeah, you slowly figure out how the rest of it works along with it. But it was my stepsister. Well, at the time, my dad's girlfriend's daughter. Saturday night, stay at their house. She's like, "Let's watch wrestling." are like, "What? What's that?" Turns it on. I'm like, "This is great." And um, it turn, You know, I had other grandparents that liked wrestling too. My parents weren't really into it, but they were like never against it. They're yeah. they they'd be like you can't, you know, put your sister in that hold or st- stuff like that. It'd, yeah. <laughs> and they down on that one. Um, but, like, and we'll go into my five wrestlers, because one yeah. of them from Portland Wrestling is Billy Jack Haynes. He was a Portland wrestler out there. Um, right. He was the ultimate good guy. He had Oregon on the back of his trunks, and the, yeah, ultimate good guy. He had a stint in WWF for a little bit. Um, Sting, I'm, a, yeah, I can say to the stinger. Yeah. Like, from. Um, I'm a huge Randy Orton fan. And that's lineage. I mean, growing up in the business.
1: He's the best heel probably ever. When Randy Orton is on, nobody's better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I really get bored when he plays the baby face. Like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You got to do it every now and again to keep things fresh so you can have that heel turn. Yeah. and then, But when he's kicking people in the head, that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Ram Horton. Oh, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is coming out of retirement. Priest that he kind of wasn't my favorite. But you hated once. him. You just yeah. hated him.
1: But at the same time, that's what you were supposed to do.
2: <laughs> yeah. But it seemed like when he came out of retirement, he made everyone look good. And it was more understanding, you know, how wrestler how the whole show worked. I mean he yeah. made Hogan who couldn't move look great you know he looks flair looked great in the last match i mean he looked everyone looked Taker, at
1: taker michaels yeah that was amazing
2: yeah and i'm like how does he retire on that match when taker can't even stand and sean michaels is fine i was like so mad but i was like i understand sean yeah he wanted to retire but yeah. i was like um he God. lost a smile <laughs> yeah I remember that whole thing God. and there were years where WWE was doing that and I was like yes what's going on in WCW like I'm not watching that Lost yeah it. yeah um I God who else my fifth you know only I can't even I can't put Flair in there because I hated him so for so long I respect him I hated him because I was a Sting fan
1: I agree yeah but, that's right he can't be on that top he can be in the top 10 but yeah. he ain't in that top 5 <laughs>
2: and so but i mean if i have to go like you know, rushmore i think flair's up there before a couple of my other ones but yeah um because i think he's probably the best in ring out of ring everything if you could combine especially it all. of his generation oh yeah nobody was better than flair. and everybody sees flair and goes okay that's what i got that's do. where we need to get to yeah and so i i would say uh, who else is in there? Bret Hart is pretty good. If I could eliminate those WCW years, or is just garbage. Yes, we don't talk about those.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but no, I agree. Bret Hart, back when I was, you know, of that age when it was one or the other, you picked right. one and ran with it. Bret Hart was always that dude on the other side. Was like, yeah, but I like him and it was weird because you know i love america but for some reason it was just like he was on that whole you americans don't respect oh, you. a right. real wrestler rah, rah, rah. and it was just kind of like he's a dick but he's kind of making some points we are rude we mm-hmm. should respect him a little more he is really you know like he's being rude about it in a mean way but he's making points
2: i don't like this <laughs> won my first, my first WWE match, WWF match, uh, main event was Heart Foundation against Bulldogs for the title. And it was oh non-TV, non-TV match. So, uh, I mean, the Hart Foundation kept the titles, but it was, he, you looked at those four guys, even though, you know, Nightheart's accomplished, same with uh, Davey Boy and Dynamite Ken, he was the one that probably was gonna emerge as a like,
1: star, he was crisper. He just yeah. was a little bit better than those other guys,
2: and it kind of ruined he me. He was
1: amazing.
2: Oh yeah, it kind of ruined me when Brett started talking more, because I didn't think he was that great on the mic. And he had that best of blah blah blah. But I was like, man, he's that silent assassin in the ring that would just get things done, and, and I like that aspect of him. And then yeah, he ran into that yeah. whole you Americans and all that. And <laughs> <laughs> it was like I kind of hate it, but he's causing got a point grumble grumble usa all the i think you have to as a wrestler you'll earn my respect if you can be both a good guy and a bad guy in your career yeah i love what john cena does for charity work i think he's great for that i hate the wrestler because he cannot be a bad guy Don't
1: you just want it so bad? It's like Hogan, you know. It's like, come on, dude, just just turn. Like if Cena was able to do some sort of NWO heel turn, yeah, boom, that would just blow up that whole industry.
2: I'm like Cena, if he can, and then and Jimbo was explaining it to me, being the former wrestler that he is, goes, he can't. He like the heel. He, the heel calls the match and the, the face reacts. They, they might throw their words in there, there, are a few moves in there, but the heel is the guy that directs the whole thing. And he's like, Cena can't. And I was like, what do you <laughs> mean can't? I was like, look at all these guys that just the faces of faces, good guys. And he's like, no, like he sucks at it. He, so he just default face. Beat <laughs> me up for a while. I'll get my moves in and then win. And then and I, I
1: react was, and do my seven moves of doom. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and so I was like, but I love, I mean, some movies he's in is real funny. But the character, just, just I hate. But the person, great. Yeah, like all work. the respect in the world to John yeah. Cena,
1: the man, the character, screw that guy.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. I, I was like, because Hogan did it, because everybody does it, everybody turns. It's what it is. Uh, and you get shocked and you're like, wow, wouldn't you love to see the people just freak out? I mean, they just turned Roman Reigns bad. They put him with Paul uh, Heyman and he was gonna be the face of the company for a while. But now we well, can really thinking about that. it,
1: I think Steamboat's
2: the only other one I could think of that they never tried.
1: Cause even Sting, they kind of tried to make him a heel. Yeah. There and, there. Uh, and it yeah. just, they're like, no, people are still just cheering. <laughs> you know like i think, I think he pulled it off many guys that they never like no he's just the baby face he can't yeah. be a bad guy
2: yeah i think if steamboat would have, had been a career now they could have easily done it but back mm-hmm. then it was saying I mean, he's the goodest of good yeah it's easy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. easy to smiley good guy yeah chair for old steam i saw he was in that first match first uh one I saw was Steamboat versus Macho. Nice so for the Intercontinental belt. Liz with us with him. I think I slapped Macho on the shoulders. He came out because the intros were just tiny today, tiny, yeah. and so you just all run over there real quick. Yeah, <laughs> Macho on the shoulder. Uh, was did you what? What's your first uh, wrestling event you went to? Um, actually, it wasn't until I was
1: in high school when um, WCW came okay. through to Casper. Uh, they did an episode of Thunder. I actually, okay. I had hair down to like my elbows. I dressed up in a trench
2: coat, painted my face like sting. Nice. Nice. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Mine was like Portland Wrestling. I did a couple of those and WWE came out to Oregon. Um, I didn't go for a long time. My first pay-per-view was Spring Stampede, Denver, Colorado. Nice. Um, we went and waited in line for tickets at, at the place. And got autographs from DDP and Kim. Uh, my buddy had the Playboy that Kim posed in, and he she signed it, but she signed it under the table. So and I had a poster of DDP that he signed real quickly, and <coughs> he had the U.S. title. He let us he let people pick it. It's it, those things are heavy. Like yeah, they're like on? a good chunk of metal. Yeah, and so and then I was at uh speaking of Shawn michaels uh the first ever elimination chamber and it wasn't its own pay-per-view it was at uh i believe survivor series one of them yeah and Shawn michaels won the title in it like after his retirement and everything i mean it was crazy it was awesome i I was like man i can't believe i'm getting to see Shawn michaels win a title i didn't think that would ever happen again totally that <laughs> and so it was pretty cool And elimination chamber too which you can't see anything because it's just all metal and chain yeah all the good stuff's seen <laughs> at home on pay-per-view but in the arena you're like okay i think i don't know I, there's shadows moving yeah. in there <laughs> i think rvd heard it rvd might have hurt his throat on one of the mat in that match <laughs> it, was, it was a oops, squeaky chair it was interesting to watch that kind of event live and so did you, have you made a pay-per-view yet? No, I've never been to a pay-per-view, actually. Um, there was the one time
1: when they came through to Laramie. Oh, yeah. You know, it was like years ago. It was back when I still worked Concessions. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they all knew I was, a, I was a fan, so they were like, you can be in charge of the Concessions guys. And it was cool. They hooked me up with a couple free T-shirts. Oh, and before the show, I was, you know, talking with some vendors and everything, and Stevie Richards comes out of nowhere and like high fives me starts like what's up dude how you been man what's been going on blah blah blah." and then he sees it in my face you're not dennis are you (laughs) from arizona like no we've never met like you know who i am right he's like well yeah i know who you are
2: Uh
1: you don't know who i am (laughs) you know but it was just like i'm sorry man high five man thanks for coming to the show
2: that's great, Dennis.
1: Yeah, Dennis. and then uh, Rick Flair told me not to bother him like three times because <laughs> I had my old school WCW trading card. I was like, "Come on, dude, give me, give me your autograph." <laughs> not
2: now, kid. <laughs> my friends said they got their blood of Rick Flair on them that match. Uh, I wasn't. I was living in New York at the time, so I wasn't here. Everybody's like, "Were you at that one?" And I was like, "No, I missed out." Uh, I got to see some like pay-per-views out there. So I'm okay. Nice. Yeah. I think
1: uh, one of the nicest guys I met there though was uh, triple H.
2: Yeah, that's so good.
1: I was in the hallway downstairs, of the arena, you know, where the players yeah. come through and it was right after his match with flair. And, you know, he comes out, he's just breathing heavy, all exhausted. And I was moving a card of things and he just very politely, excuse me, sir. Could I please have one of those bottles of water? You know, just like yeah. Hey, well, of course you. You're kind of the show here.
2: <laughs> uh, how many do you, you need? Know, of course. <laughs> you, how many? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and it was just it was just kind of awesome. I thought that you know, after right after his match, he was just really cool and nice. Instead of a hey, you, water. <laughs> Which, if he would have, I would have been same way. Yeah, sure. How
2: many? <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes it. Background workers, we don't get that kind of respect. Uh, yeah. sorry, from the talent, we'll say, I've I worked video, so I've been stepped on, pushed on, yeah, yeah. moved it's away. It's kind of
1: funny when, like, you know, you get like one guy who's like a mid Carter, who's the yeah. biggest jerk ever, and then the top dude is just the nicest, politest dude ever.
2: That's odd. It reminds me of when I met Jay Z when I was working for News Twelve Long Island and. Uh, we went to, we went to interview him. And so I'm pulling my camera up to my shoulder and he's like, hold on player. And I was like, Oh, I'm a player. This is awesome. In my head. I'm like, yes. (laughs) And he's like, can I grab your camera? And I was like, sure. He's like, Oh man, that's heavy. How do you do that? You know, he's asking me all these questions about my job. And I'm like, Jay-Z is legitimately interested in what (laughs) I'm doing where he's, Kid. He doesn't need to
1: talk to and me. By a thousand of these cameras <laughs> yeah. like,
2: at any moment, and so he's like, "Well, you need it." it was a celebrity softball game. He's like, "You need any food, any drink? Just come holler at me. I'll get you whatever you need." And I'm like, "Come holler at Jay Z, all right?"
1: Yeah, Jay Z, can I get a Sprite? Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, uh, and we're walking away, and my reporter's like, "No, you can't go ask him for stuff." And I was like, oh, yeah. "Come on, like." he said i could he said i could he's like we have to play it neutral and i understood that already we already i mean i worked a long time in the industry at the time but i was like but this one time Come let me on, hang out with please, please. yeah <laughs> like, this is done. but you're always shocked because probably 15 minutes earlier we talked Puff daddy and yes giant dick asshole at the yeah. time you know he's, he's the star him. that you expect him to be yeah, and then the next yeah. dude, possibly a bigger star, totally chill. this <laughs> chill, and like, Puff Daddy was playing softball, and he was first up, and he popped up, and he ran. We were out. We had two cameras. One was doing documentary on the Hamptons. That's where this game was at, and I was from news station, and we were on the field, and we were. I mean, I'm just out of the way, and he's running towards first base, and he starts yelling at me and the other camera guy, "Get off the field! You could get hit. This you're dangerous." And I want to be like. I've shot NCAA football, all right? I've had football players. I know what I'm what doing. All <laughs> right? I'm not scared of your pop-up, okay? I, I know <laughs> when a ball comes off the bat, where it's probably going to go. Like, I'm not scared of yours. I, I, I totally wanted to be like, yeah, I'm good. Like, yeah. But I moved out of the way. I kind of grabbed the documentary guy in front of me. I was like, come with me. We're Let's like, take two steps to make him happy. Because <laughs> he popped up. He's embarrassed. <laughs> right now we got it on video and so i think he might grab my lens and no <laughs> oh, no you no. not touch me you not touch don't this. touch
1: the equipment
2: yeah <laughs> so i wasn't shocked about his attitude and his stuff but it's great i mean here at triple h you know he's probably has to be i mean not has to be, he's probably that built that way because i mean that's why i made it so far yeah exactly. everybody
1: I mean, you know, that's one of those things I was just kind of surprised. Him, of all of them, was just really chill.
2: That's, all right. <laughs> that's all right. So I'm going to wrap this up here, but I got one final question that I ask everyone. Yes. Usually it makes, I don't know where I come up with this at the end. Uh, <laughs> since it's called All My Friends, how did we meet? Um, I think we
1: first met at Lovejoy's. You were DJing there. I had a couple friends that uh, we just got back from a music festival. Okay. And I think it was after I went to Wakarusa. Okay. And, um, you know, there you know, I was just talking, blah, blah, blah. And it was just one of those, oh, blah, blah, blah. You like the Grateful Dead. You like jam bands. How do you not know Rude? You know, and just one of those. And it was just weird because after we broke it down, it was like, yeah, we, we had like 20 mutual friends and I hung out at Lovejoys quite a bit at that time. And it was
2: just, yeah, how don't we know? each other <laughs> true i think when i first met you know i just assumed we knew each other like yeah. they would just started talking i mean i didn't i don't know i i like man, I we'd seen sister. each other
1: around yeah. but didn't you know like never really talked and hung out or anything you know it's like yeah i i've seen him around i know that guy
2: well <laughs> so the next thing i was like probably i'm sure yes yeah, so it was music talk and then mm-hmm. that's the on oh, like, and once again at the same
1: time i don't know if i ever thanked you you're the one that turned me on to Firefly.
2: Fire, oh, Way the, back in the yeah. day.
1: Yeah. Uh, way, yeah. way, way back in the day.
2: Yeah. And I barely <laughs> watched, like, I'm trying to remember who told me to watch that show. It might have been wrong. Somebody did. And I totally just blew their brain one time. I was like, yeah, if they didn't rip off Star Wars so much, and like, what? And I just I was like, God, Han Solo <laughs> is... The lead. Like, it is, but it's good. It's good. Firefly's good. Sorry, people, if you love Firefly, I'm just saying yeah. the guy that interviewed yeah. to it. Oh, I it
1: is a hundred percent a rip-off of Star Wars. Yeah. Like it's I always thought it's the stories of Han Solo that I wanted to hear. Yeah, there you go. They never gave us.
2: Yeah. I very much felt it was a Han Solo vibe to that whole thing going on. And I was like, and that's Chewbacca, and those are the droids.
1: And I'd uh-huh. have to watch
2: the game it, it down. But Firefly, yeah. That's enough. So during this pandemic, I mean, were you watching a lot of stuff in the background because they're not making new shows half the time? Yeah. And I can't buy into some other stuff. So I'm like, oh, I should watch Firefly again. Go that's back a good to one. this one. <laughs> that was a good one. I totally binge that. Right now I'm watching, I'm watching Walking Dead again. Oh, nice. And, and so I'm only. Depending
1: on where you are, that's a really good show.
2: Yeah, I'm in season three, and every once in a while, nice. I'm like, oh, yeah, how did they die? Because they're going to die, because I know <laughs> they're not around now. But I was like, oh, they're going to die soon, or they die like, oh, it's that like, was really good." forgot
1: how much I hated that character. Yeah, I was like,
2: oh, <laughs> a totally dumb plot. I don't know why. And I every once in a while, I get I watch Lost over, like, the TV <sighs> show Lost. Uh, yeah
1: yeah that's one of those yeah you get into it, it's like yeah i love this show it's so good so good and then you get to the end of it and it's like i forgot how much i hated the ending
2: but there's <laughs> so many times through loss they're like we're dead we're dead and I'm like oh ding ding
1: you're yeah, right they're all dead yeah. yeah oh no they're not it's not it's not they're not
2: uh, it's no they are <laughs> yeah i was like oh the they are <laughs> And so there's like a whole there's a couple of seasons i'm like this is not pertinent to the whole storyline yeah but it kept us watching so it makes me mad <laughs> but yeah we watched some stuff so i can't we're watching a new one on netflix with hillary Now i can't remember the name but huh? she's going to mars it's pretty interesting
1: so right. cool. maybe uh, i'll check that one out
2: yeah, it's one of the new ones that came up. I think it's number ten. I don't know why the name's escaping me. It will hit me when I end this podcast. I'm like, it's this okay. one. Of course. Warren, right, well thanks for being yeah, on. Yeah, I totally dude. It was, it was great time. chatting.
0: Name of that Netflix show is called Away. It's pretty good. Go check it out. Milo, Milo Carlisle, where is my drum beats? I know school just started for you, but we need some drum beats for the show so I can promote you and your musical talents. Now, thinking back to my top four, five wrestlers, yeah, Bret Hart's a good fifth, and I just probably couldn't think of me at the time, but I overlooked guys like Triple H, The Rock. I really like Adam Cole. AJ Styles is amazing to watch. So those are some of my current favorite wrestlers. But as far as the Rushmore goes, as who's done such great stuff for wrestling, that's another story for another podcast.